This is Revisiting Haven. Hey Havenites, this is Amy J coming at you with Amy S for a very special interview with the Haven Writers. Now, I know most of you were turning in questions for just Brian, but we were lucky enough to ask those questions to not just Brian, but Nick, Chernald, and Speedweed. So I know you don't want to hear from me. So without further ado, here they are. Thank you guys so much for doing this. Yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah. Our pleasure. We appreciate it. Thanks for always supporting the show. We actually asked, as soon as that Brian said, you guys got the go-ahead, but you know what, let's put it to Twitter. And so some of them sent some questions in. We also went with the caveat, there's some things you can't answer. We get it. I personally think, you know, if you can't answer it, good. There's something about spoilers, you know? Brian loves if this one. If you have a... Yeah, <laughs> he won't give you any. No, it's fine. <laughs> but yes, the inability to answer a question is itself an answer to the question. Yes. A good question yes. a, a good question is usually answered with a, I can't answer that. Right. Oh. It's just getting to something. True. Yeah, it's too bad because I think there's like a trailer coming out for the season on the 31st, 31st. Yes. right? Yeah. yeah. So we probably could talk about more then, but we literally have no idea about this upcoming season, what we can and can't say. I think probably... In extreme generalities, but there like a guy named Nathan. <laughs> like right. well, but, no more than a, like, but yeah, but we'll well we can do our best. But the past is always is pretty safe yeah. unless okay. it affects the future, which the past usually does. We're not trouble. Yeah. 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 Well, why don't, why don't we get into it and what I'll see what, what we can go and we'll answer first. If you have a question, pop in, and we'll kind of go from there. Um, let's see. So at Ida Ida Ida. So at Ida Two J has asked. Uh, my first question would be: How did Agent Howard or Garland come to know each other? Was it through Lucy? Yeah, it's probably one that we can answer. Right? Yeah, I mean, um, back in the day, '83. So the, what's been interesting is that every iteration that uh, Audrey, the art Audrey kind of person, has come. Be it Sarah or Lucy or others in the past, um, she has made friends in Haven that she's worked with. Uh, we saw a little bit of it in episode three hundred nine. Sarah, whenever she was kind of starting to meet Vince and Dave, we had suggestions towards that, and then we've always kind of there's always been hints towards her relationship with Garland and what kind of relationship that was and stuff like that. So, yeah. Oh yeah, there were actually at times there were even stronger hints that ended up getting cut out of like the script or even like the cut. Um, but for sure, I think the implication was was supposed was supposed to have been, and it kind of was a little bit that. And obviously, it's not the same like every time. But she, there's like a Nathan and a Duke now, and it's not that they filled the same roles back in the day, but that she just sort of the way that sort of the cycle of life for her specifically and sort of destiny in general kind of works that. There was a Wernos in her life, in Lucy's life back then, around about the same age that Nathan would have been now. So that's why they were careful when we cast that how old the guy who was going to play his dad was. Uh, and there was a Crocker back around then too, although not obviously the same as Duke and a little more of like a bad guy. But and he would have been right around the same age too. He left the Battlestar. But yeah, there's, that was sort of intentionally done. There's going to be some more about that coming up to season two, a little bit of drips and drabs about. Maybe some of the Lucy Garland kind yes. of. Well, there's an understanding that those people like Garland, like that's David the Pass, had interactions with Agent Howard. But what of, what know. we had imagined, I guess, specifically to the question, is that, and this was even dating back to in the pilot 
when that phone call that Agent Howard places at the end of the episode was that we always knew that you know he was talking to Garland and that we were going to reveal that later in the season in a couple episodes before Garland was going to die because uh, he was always going to die at the end of the first season. Like the, the guys who created the show had a had a massive plan like mapped out all the stuff which we're which we're still using to this day, which is crazy. Um, but that the the idea was that those guys knew each other from the last time from the eighties. And that in some way, shape, or form, however the events had transpired back in 83, that Carlin Mornos had known Agent Howard and knew all this was going to happen again. Like that he, just same as Vincent Dave, were not surprised when they saw Audrey Parker stroll into town. They were obviously recognized her and knew what they were sort of supposed to do, kind of, you know, like they sort of take that, I don't say hands-off approach, but sort of like let her do her thing. Like this is the way that it's like supposed to be. This is like the cycle, and they sort of are in sort of favor of that. That covers it. Yeah, I think that's it. Covered it? Yeah. Um, at Tana VIP asked. Okay, so one quick question is Are you or the other writers ever going to do a cameo? No. <laughs> <laughs> I did a cameo. I was there. Oh, Brian did a cameo. Yeah. Brian did a cameo. I did a cameo. Yeah. The first episode that I actually wrote was in the second season. It was a Christmas episode. That's right. Hey, thank you. Uh, and I refused to do a cameo. They wanted to make me a waiter at the bakery. <laughs> Sam did a cameo. So right? Sam Ernst yeah. got thrust into it in the last second. I, like, refused. And they were like, you have to do it. And I came up with this great plan. I was like, they, they were going to, because they wanted me to do it. Like, the whole production was like, we're going to throw you in. It's going to be great. They had a wardrobe and everything. I was like, what you, how did you know my size? Um, but luckily Sam Ernst and I are about the same size. And I was like, there's only one person who they would do instead. So I came up with this brilliant plan. I was like, Sam was my boss. So I was like, I got to go up to him. So I went up to Stephanie and Jenny, our producers. I'm like, hey, you got to understand something. He's my boss. He really wants to do a cameo. He didn't. Like, I, I can't do one before my boss does. And she's like, oh, oh, we didn't realize. We're so sorry. It's totally good. So they, yeah. so sorry. So we put him, they put him in. Was that his cameo? Yes. Sorry. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> So he got thrust in, and he was upset about it. And then everyone realized what I did. So then there was this shot where everyone shows up again in the movie theater, and towards the end of the episode, and I'm sitting in like the second row. You'll know me by the glare off of my forehead. <laughs> it is unmistakable. And I'm actually, and you're sitting, not very, all, like, very being an ex, being an extra. I don't know if you guys have done it before. Being a background artist is not as easy as it looks. And if you're a bad actor. It, you can tell. You can watch the background of some scenes on our show or any show and be like, oh, I'm one of those people. I'm, I'm terrible. I'm on the second row and I'm supposed to be acting like, what happened? We're like looking around. I'm terrible. And I'm, I'm literally bringing the scene down and everyone else around me. It was awful. From the background, right? I know, so it was terrible. But my own parents never knew that I was in the episode, so it was really upsetting. What this means is that now all the Havenites need to rewatch. So I'm like, and then find you back to speak with me, okay? And then yeah. tweet the time that you found them, just so we can verify that you actually watched it. <laughs> they will know me by the forehead. Go. There you are. <laughs> well, the actual question, the other actual question she had was, who came up with Nathan's Trouble, and who writes Gloria's hilarious dialogue? Mm. Well, Nathan's Trouble was... Nathan's Trouble was, was all same. Yeah, from the get-go. Uh, idiopathic neuropathy. It was um, one of the ways that they sold the show back in the day. Um, and to, to the glory question, yeah. I think it's, uh, I mean, Matt McGinnis, who's the, the, the show, he created, created the character and wrote kind of the first passenger. 
But then once we, and so we kind of had an idea of, you know, how she was going to feel and everything. But then once we got into casting, saw the casting of uh, Jane Eastwood, who plays Claire, she's awesome. And she was also in that uh, Dawn of the Dead remake. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, back in 2000. Yep, she's great in that. Yeah. Uh, and she's excellent in that. And so Brian and I both immediately recognized her from that. We're like, this one's hilarious. We can write like this kind of dry humor for her. And uh, then once we started to see the dailies come in, she was great, and so we saw what she was doing with the role yeah. and kind of tried to write more to that. So I think it's less who uh, writes the hilarious dialogue for her as to uh, how she performs it and how we kind of write to her strengths. Yeah, it was, but yeah, Matt was, she first showed up in episode 306? 306. 406? 406, count that. Yeah. Was this last season? It was. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, it's been forever. Uh, and yeah, he wrote those her first lines and her first scene where when she sees Duke, she was like, "I buy drugs from you." I bought weed from you. <laughs> and like that was like established the tone, and it's been yeah, it's been audition, it's been terrific ever since. But everyone everyone loved her. She's a, she was a treasure. Is she on an intern? Stephen Lynch was so excited <laughs> when, we, when we cast her. Yeah, there was the whole idea, but we we had Lucasi as our sort of corner. Yes. And and for a variety of different reasons, we ended up losing him. So that's why he just sort of vanished. Remember you had... Oh, oh yeah, it was I such, remember the part for it. was so painful. Right? She wrote this in episode three. There was I know, and that was like sort of... We had to kind of squeeze it in because we didn't have the actor anymore. And this is what oh. just happens in TV production. Chanel had this great storyline for him. For it was supposed to be his last episode. And then, funny. and then we didn't even have him for that. So it was through no fault of his own. <laughs> if you do say so Through no fault of his own. It was. It was really good. We just didn't have it anymore. The old shoes. Yeah, but it became an opportunity. Then we're like, well, we need to go back to a corner. We wanted someone who was Vincent Dave's contemporary. We'd already been talking about the same sort of character who had like existed for a while. So this was like, it was all everything was like great. We decided we need more old people on the show. Yeah. So. so, and a little bit of humor. Yeah. yeah. She she's so snarky. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Really so she's been great. We're using her more and more. This season, she's got an even bigger role and some of the best stuff she's ever done. She's all over the place. Like, she's like one of like the lead characters in an episode yeah. coming up. Can't tell you anything more about it, but she's she's terrific. Mm-hmm. And it's like the best, right? It's some of the best stuff in that episode, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so it's going to be really good. We'll see. Uh, we have Putin Butt. Oh. Who, who is also... Hooten Butt? Yeah. Is that what it is? That's how I was in my mind. She's done several questions Absolutely. that have been announced also. I answered several Hooten Boot questions <laughs> during <laughs> the um, commentary. It's oh, B. Nice. She was no slacker. She provided some questions. <laughs> and hers is, how long does it take to write an episode? And are you able to share the titles of the episodes you've written for season five? I don't know about sharing titles. I don't think so. Uh, I don't know. No. They like leak out anyway, but yeah, I don't know that we can. Yeah, I, I know three of the episode's titles. What do you, so what do you know? See No Evil. That's correct. That's the first episode. And then five is um, The Old Switcheroo and six is The Old Switcheroo 2. How do you know do those? I have those? Do I have those num- the numbers right Yes, you do. How do you know those? Social media. Oh, yeah. Wow. It's on Twitter and it's, it's on Facebook. Amazing. Your guest stars. They make its way out. No, it's the, yeah. Yeah. That's fine. I probably do. Uh, yes, five and six is a two-parter. Yeah. You definitely can't reveal the titles of your first two episodes. You definitely can't. I don't remember the titles of my first two I do, and you cannot. Yeah. Spoiler. Can you answer Yeah, I can say as long as they give you. To be honest, you know, if you're at the beginning of production and you've got some time and some lead-up and... You can 
you have the luxury of talking about things, blue sky, and, and breaking the story with the entire room, then yeah, you can take a week and a half you've had it up to. That's just to write the script. In the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. There's a whole the process. Right. 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 I would say, yeah, and I would say then start to, be, start to finish, stop and start about a month. Yeah, it's. I would say minimum you hope for having like about six weeks yeah. from six like weeks from let's all kick like sit around and figure out exactly what this episode is going to be. But the process it's pretty much the same on any TV show. But our show it's pretty similar on um, uh, other shows that I've worked on. It's kind of the same. You have to sort of generate first the sort of pitch for what the episode would be, um, and then that goes around and gets all the various levels of approval up and down the board, and then you can finally go off to start figuring out what's how the outline is going to look. Then once you do that. You know, usually another week or two has gone by and then you just gotta go through all the same levels of approvals all the way up the food chain. Then you're finally approved to go off the script and then you can write the script and it goes through the whole same sort of process. And that's this that's just for a given episode. Even well before that point, we go through the whole thing and we kind of, you know, always come into the season or seasons knowing like generally like where we're gonna like the big ten poles we're gonna hit. But you sort of still need to figure out what's gonna what are the big things that'll happen in every episode along the way. That's before you even when, the pen paper. Yeah, figure out then, okay, within this episode, then maybe this would be like the trouble that'll be in that episode and things like that and start to like kind of flush it out. So there's a lot of planning in advance. But, but yeah, but as, as things roll on and, you know, start to shoot pages, then you're whenever how long you have to write the script. Yeah. Smaller and smaller as you move forward. Just because, you know, you got to keep ahead of the train. 10 minutes that I should go finish. So. Yeah. I'm joking. That's how short it is. How many episodes did you write in season? Yeah, there. I guess it sort of depends. Uh, depends. Well, you wrote two, two and, and a half last year. Yeah, I wrote four this year. Yeah, double number. But between it's yeah. over the twenty-six. Twenty-six. Well, it's a very unusual situation. Yeah, twenty-six at once. And when that announcement actually came out, they had said, you know. Don't panic. We're already in writers' camp. You guys were already kind of working yes. on. Yes. Yes. You're kind of looking at the seasons overall, right? A super size one here. However, you want to look at it: two small seasons, one big season. Do you guys kind of? You mentioned it earlier that Sam and Jim kind of had an overarching thing. You kind of go back to that and say, okay, how do we stick true? Do they have input? Yeah, they're still they're still involved in the show. They what was it? I guess they ended season three that they left and are still consultants in the show. But the the most fruitful thing that has ever happened with them is that, and it's sort of just the way, especially these days. Anytime you sell like a relatively serialized or like supernatural type show or some big concept, the networks all want to know like what's ha- what's the second season going to be, what's the third season going to be. Whether or not you end up sticking to that plan is a different thing. But they just need to make sure that there's more show there unlike say like I don't know Heroes yeah Heroes or a lot of these shows Hostages stuff like that where a crisis where you start to wonder like what is the rest of the show going to be you know like I, I was wondering that like I love Homeland but it seems like they after the first season they're like we, we, who knows what the second season will be right. um, and then sometimes that can work out just fine but I think the more supernatural the show the more they sort of need to know that it's not going to turn out like Heroes I guess but so Sam and Jim the best thing that happened to them is that um, there was a time when, because originally it was an ABC pilot, because Stephen King, most of his shows up until recently were all sort of ABC miniseries, mm-hmm. that ABC was like, we like the script, we like all this, everything's great. Stephen King proved everything up and down the walls, but they're like, we don't want to make a show. What about, could you do like a miniseries version? How about like 10 hour version? 
So then they came back in and pitched them a 10-hour version of the entire series where roughly every two episodes was the, was the end of the first season. It was like the end of the second season. And even down to like the third season, that's when like the barn was in like, it was, I would say, probably episode five of that sort of thing. But what was nice about that, and it got to the ending of the miniseries, which was the ending of this sort of story. And if there were going to be another miniseries, we'd be like kind of gearing up again for a different one. And so it provided them an opportunity. It was brutal. Like their noses were bleeding. Like they couldn't handle trying to like figure out how basically a series might end, that sort of stuff. But they had this sort of this map. And although that never happened, then the pilot moved to sci-fi. And then sci-fi was like, we want to do a TV show. And they were like, thank God. And they threw away the whole like sort of plan. But from that point on, we sort of had an idea. And so they always knew like what the last shot would be and like what, where we were going and like what, like then we would kind of like learn this. And then this was always sort of about the first time Layers of the onion, like sort of peeling back. No, this was this was great. So it's all this is why I'm this is why I'm still here. Will you still end the show? I was there for all that. I was taking notes for them in Sam Rudd's garage when they were just trying to sell the pilot. It was crazy. So you literally were there from the beginning. I was there from the beginning. I was there in the beginning. There was Sam, and Jim, and me taking notes. Man, Matt McGinnis and I were both on the show in the first season. We're the only ones. Yeah. You guys started in season three. Started in season oh, three, four. four. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Gabrielle Stanton came in. Season two. Season two. Mm-hmm. Season two. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Matt was yeah. around. But Matt was here until episode seven of season one and then departed mm-hmm. and then came back to start of season two. I'm the only one who's been around for an episode now. It's pretty crazy. That's why Brian is something terrified now. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's really nothing you can't ask that Brian can't answer better than the rest of us. Yeah. Uh, but that said, Sherman and I have to go work on 17, so if there's anything you want to ask the two of us, yeah. 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 Yes. I was happy to sit here like a lump in the corner and contribute nothing. Um, unless you have a specific question for me? or Well, for you, as a man, as a female writer, some people were asking on Twitter generally, um, do you find it challenging? To be heard? To, yes. to, be, to be in heard. the room? To, to be heard. In the sense of... You know, it is male-dominated yeah. at the moment, and yeah. now just as you came out with a wonderful TV movie. Yeah. Oh, watch that? Oh, thank you. <laughs> it was good. <laughs> Go on. And so, um, have you found it challenging in your process of becoming a writer? Um, this is my first job in the States. So, you know, I came here from Canada with uh, a lot of varied experience. I had worked for a network as a production development exec. I worked for an independent production company as a creative exec. From that, um, I staffed at a sort of a a junior position on a half hour. And then after that, I I crazily um, ran the second season of a comedy. So by the time I got here, I don't think I, I, up to that point, I hadn't experienced any sort of gender differentiation. Um, This is a completely different industry, US versus Canada. I think what helped me coming here um, is that because I had a base level of experience, I was less terrified than say a new writer would be, but I was still pretty terrified. So um, in terms of whether it's hard to be heard in in a room, this is this is the I would venture the most amazing room in the United States of America. We are a family. Yeah, for sure. We are a real family, and there is no squelching 
of voices. There was naturally for me being new, Mm -hmm. being new to the country, being new to the genre, being new to the room. Um, I was quite quiet in the beginning. I'm sure Brian remembers. You know, but I think any smart writer who uh, is in there for the first time would be quiet and watch and learn and what ha- and observe and what have you. Um, and as I'm sure I would think my colleagues have noticed over the last three seasons, I have gone from uh, being quiet to, I have an opinion here and there, to shut the fuck up. Why are you still talking? You know? Yeah, this has been completely supportive. Uh, Gab has set a standard for showrunners. Both Matt and Gab set a standard for showrunners that I'm not sure that anybody will be able to meet again. But they are encouraging and welcoming and give you much more, I think, than you you deserve to get from a busy showrunner in terms of feedback on your work, feedback on your performance, um, reinforcement, things like that. So I think that if I come here and landed in a different room, in a less pleasant room, then I, I would have felt, you know, not just gender, but in terms of diversity, which is a whole different issue. If you have two hours, we can talk about that. Um, <laughs> And the Canadian thing. Is, and the Canadian I, thing. We just don't credit Canadians for their Canadian credit. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> it, it, was, it was much like the Canadian dollar in, in, in 97. You know, my experience was worth about 36 cents on the dollar. So, um, but that's across the board looking. Yeah. Brennan or Hart Hanson. Yeah. You know, all, for yeah, for all of us. industry. Yeah. We had to start out at the bottom. Of the exactly. Room. Yeah. Hart Hansen was the oldest. He, he says, he likes to say he was the oldest staff writer who had already created the show um, and won awards for it. So in terms of uh, being heard individually in this room, no. Mm-hmm. And, and it, helps, it helps me. Uh, it, will, it will help me going into the next job, That's I think. And, uh, and for any Haven fans who are also WGA West members, mm-hmm. it has also helped me um, decide to run for a seat on the board of directors, mm-hmm. you know. Um, <coughs> So yeah, I mean, I know that gender gender issues exist. Mm-hmm. I fortunately have not experienced a, a lot of that. Not yet. That's encouraging. Nice to yeah. hear. Absolutely. Yeah. Sweet. A question for you mm-hmm. from Twitter user K R N Theron. He's curious. Uh, is it hard to keep track of which Hayden character knows how much and all the secrets? And foreshadowings throughout all the season, especially since you came in. To it's that. very odd. Yeah, right? uh, that's what Nick and Brian are for. They, yeah. they are encyclopedic. Did Simpson Dave know X and Y? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just can't figure out what they know. That's actually a very sophisticated question because <clears throat> question one is what is the raw mythology itself? What actually happened? But then the next layer, which is really important, is who knows what about yes. what happened? Yeah. Yes. yes. Uh, and like I said, I, I, my default is I march down the hall to Nick and Brian and say, did Vince and Dave know about the this and that, and does Duke also know about that? Or uh, who was in the room when I would say it's gotten so complicated. This is no. What's the question? Blanche on you. Last year, you knew the answer off the top of your head. Now, because it's gotten so complicated, half the time we actually have to go look at what. Just to make sure we don't contradict ourselves. Well, because it's one thing to remember what the script was like, and then another thing, because by the time it goes through production and then specifically the editing. 
um, it is a whole other thing. And I think we as writers well, remember the script. To that, yeah, absolutely. Well, to that end, what becomes challenging is not sort of the. It used to always be so easy in the past. Like, who remembers? Who who would have known what from when? Like, what were they sort of privy to? Basically, Vincent Day knew everything. Right. Nobody else did. Right? Yeah, yeah, but to a point. And now there are things, like especially starting from I would say season towards the end of season three onward, yeah. where they are starting to learn things that they did not know before, and other yeah. characters are learning other things, but they're not all necessarily learning the same thing. So that's when it becomes a challenge. And they dealt with this and like lost a lot too, which was who has learned what and who has told what to whom. And yeah. when. And that's when it's almost like there's like like little chips yeah. that they're passing sure. back and forth. You gotta make sure that like, no, 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 this guy actually wouldn't know that. And then, but that's actually an opportunity because then they have to yeah. figure out how they're gonna, how they find out. How so it's like, revealed. Yeah. 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 I, and we imagined, I mean, cause you came in and then Chanel, you also came in season three, you know, how do you jump into this and figure out Okay, what's safe and what's not? Is there is there a hidden Bible that you kind of go like, oh no, the Bible is spoken. I can't say nothing about that. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Bible uniform. Yeah, we we had one for the first the two years, years and then just couldn't could not it continue to update it. It was, it was I, getting out of control. Part of that is just from being like proxy in the room. You know, whenever you're like being the writer assistant or script coordinator, like that, you're in the room almost the entire time, so you hear all of the conversations. A lot of times, writers will go off to you know write their scripts off in the room, and they might not hear where the balls are being pushed. You know. <laughs> So, Brian yeah. and I were able to kind of always be in the room, and that's a reason why we kind of became lore keepers in a way. Yeah. Because it's the uh, it's we hear all we see. Yeah. You know, the script coordinator's job really it's sort of has become more and more important in the last like ten years. The script coordinator of Lost was mm-hmm. named Greg uh, Nations. Yes, uh, ended up taking all of his notes that he put together like over the show about like this happened were published as a book after the show came out. Is that right? Because they're like, this guy is like the keeper of like everything and they would have to consult him whether or not like, well, like was, when when did Locke's dad like live in like this state? He's like, no, 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 the year's all wrong. Like even just yesterday, remember Matt was in Duke is an upcoming episode, no spoiler, Duke tells a story about his past and... <laughs> I couldn't be more vague. No, but Matt was like, how, how old... actually just by that. But how, how old was he when, this when X happened? Yeah. And he was like, I'm pretty sure it would have been about this, but we were able to then go look it up and like, no, 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 he would have been like this. You know, that sort of stuff. Like, you, know, okay. you have to like, you figure out those things in advance and then just try, pray that that doesn't like ever get past you, almost like a hockey puck into uh, the goal, yeah. that like someone doesn't like accidentally throw something that contradicts or whatever. We did from the very get go think of it as two seasons because mm-hmm. they're going to be airing. I don't, we have no idea when it's going to air in 2015. So I don't know if it's going to be like in early 2015, middle, or like the exact same time that we call. But um, it's sort of pretty much like two seasons. We're actually writing, co-writing the season, episode 14, which will be season 5B premiere. Yeah, okay. Yeah, like right now. The, season, the 2015 season something. premiere. That was what our boss, Matt, who's one of the two showrunners, Matt and Gap, mm-hmm. was just calling about. Cause He's right, working on 13 right now, and since they, one follows the other, but one is the season finale-ish, mm-hmm. the other one's the premiere-ish, we're figuring out some stuff right now. Cool. But yeah, but it should be good. It'll okay, we've got a question from yeah, bring it on. Haven Princess, I think that's Rachel in Toronto. I think so. Will we be getting some happiness for Nathan and Audrey for the first half of the season? Why just for the first half of the season? Uh, yeah, well, actually, sense. personally, I liked some Audrey happiness for the whole thing, but that's just me. <laughs> for the first half of the season, um, I don't think we can answer that question. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we can. Which is tell us how long Mara's going to be around? I don't think we can answer that question. <laughs> no. 
Yeah. Yeah. The, the answer is complicated. Yes. This is what we can say. It's complicated. Okay. Mara, as you saw the other will play a factor in this upcoming season. Yes, but how big or how long, we cannot say. Yes. Okay. We try again. So, the trailer that's coming out may answer some of these questions or may confuse matters further. We're going to find out. But I can't be the one to. to <laughs> we, we, we don't know. <laughs> I guess I can't. So what you're saying is, look at the trailer and see what happens. Yes. Saying, get ready for season five. But there, <laughs> like but, for five. but like what's that. good about it, and again, sort of in the in the map sort of way, the roadmap that the guys had sort of laid out a long time ago, is that we always knew, you know, the first season you would, at the end of the season you'd be the discovery that she's not, she thinks she is, and she's been, she actually was the woman in the picture, and then next season we would learn like maybe there's been more. She's sort of deep in that, and then we would eventually finally be able to reveal who like she originally was and meet who she originally was. So that's where we are. This is what now, luckily, we've gotten a chance, we've made it this far, we've been able to actually get to that point, which is really exciting. So that's some of the stuff that revolves around what's happened with her and everything else is, I think, some of my favorite stuff that we've ever yep. done. So, exciting. Yes, I'm super excited about it, actually. So Hootenboot Mags. Also asks, um, in season one, episode three, so we're, we're going back, okay. in Harmony, Duke asks Nathan if Audrey knows what Nathan has done. Will we ever find out what Nathan did that, that was of that line, or was that line not important? I'm, I'm, I'm going to field this one. This is not the first time I've been asked this question before. There were two lines in that episode that people keep coming back to. There's that one, and then does she know that you're, you're not, not a, a real, real boy. boy? And Duke does that yes. thing. Yes. <laughs> the real boy was supposed to uh, refer to his trouble. Mm -hmm. And that uh, Duke, and uh, certainly back in season one, and then looking back at their history together, was always giving Nathan a hard time about not being able to feel anything. So that was the real boy thing, and the Pinocchio bit that Eric Balfour threw in ended up making it seem like I think that there was something more there than there really wasn't. It's, it's great. It's terrific. And no, no one, they left it in the cut. But that was only ever supposed to refer to Nathan's trouble. So there's, there's, let there be no doubt about that one. Nathan is actually a human being. He's alive. He's, he's well. The other one, what, if, what was, what was our answer about, about the things that you've done? Unfortunately, I don't, it's not referring to anything huge that is going to be, it's not no, some big, big reveal like that we've been saving to. You know what? I think that's an answer though. Yes. Yes. So. Don't, don't yeah, no. panic there was, about that okay. one. There, there was sort of a, they had, they had broken out what their relationship was in the past and like how these guys' lives have sort of like intersected and connected and then when they like met each other again. And you heard some of it when Nathan tells that story at the end of the second season yeah. about how he ended up getting his trouble back, mm -hmm. all that sort of stuff. And it was meant to refer to some of those sort of things, but... Uh, it's probably fair to say that Nathan does not have a body buried in his yeah. basement or that he did yeah, exactly. something super... Which is, I think, what fans were wondering. Great. Yes, no. Okay, Web Jana, who's in Germany, uh, she wants to know where do you get all the ideas for the stories in Haven? All the stories in Haven? Like the troubles I, in particular? I think the or? troubles in particular is what she means. Like in each episode, I think that yeah. particular trouble. Because like, we know that Sam yeah. and, uh, you know. Well, I mean, the, yeah, the big overarching thing, as Brian was talking about, is uh, it's kind of a, a roadmap in a way. Uh, every, uh, you know, we always kind of uh, adapt as we move forward to try and get the story, you know, just right and thematically hit and rest and everything. Um, but in terms of the troubles every week, uh, we actually have a big bank that we've been maintaining since you put it together in season one and we've been maintaining right. it since then. And uh, it's 50 some pages or so of just some, some half baked, some barely baked, some like 
raw cookie dough trouble ideas. Uh-huh. And, you know, a lot of them we know that we'll never even do just for production purposes or something, you know, like the entire sky is on fire. It's like, well, we can't, you know, this, <laughs> yeah. is, not, this is not the Avengers. Like, we can't have no. a warm yeah, we are in the sky. Someone limited by our. Uh, but we, we kind of use those, and it's, it's always nice whenever you're kind of figuring out thematically what's, um, what the episode is going to be about, and then going through and looking at the different troubles that we've come up with ideas and doing your own variation on that and kind of matching it up thematically yeah. with uh, something that resonates with the characters. Because ultimately, especially since seasons three on, I think, the show has been very, very uh, much about the characters, the main characters, and yeah. like yeah. pushing their story forward. So everything, everything, even the troubles, kind of speak to what they're going through as yeah. people as opposed the, to... Yeah. It's sort of it's what, it's what Jose Molina back in the first season had always referred to as... Totally right about the Buffy model, which kind of arose, I guess, really probably around I would say season two of Buffy, and so many of those writers have gone on to like to that almost sure. like the next generation writers and X Files writers, they sort of seeded their 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 craft. Um, but and you try to figure out what's the story for your characters in the episode, and then whatever the monster that comes to the high school that week, it serves that sort of storyline. Whether or not it's like there's like this like crazy thematic par- like parallel, it's like whoa, what a coincidence that it's the exact same time Audrey or Buffy's having identity problems. There's someone who's having an ident- there's an identity monster, uh, or there's just something that lets you sort of tell that story. Um, like last year in season five, four, season four, <laughs> when I got the episode that I knew at the we knew at the end that that Audrey was going to that Duke was going to discover that uh, Audrey was faking. Being oh, Mark. Yeah. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen this. The new girl. Uh, so, so we just. You needed, but in that. The decks in your brain. Right. Like it. But so in that one, we just. I, mean, I knew we needed a trouble. And so that was one that I pitched for that episode that you sort of. A little parallel to that. You know, like the episode so where they're dealing with. It looks sure. like they, they all thought that there was someone new in Audrey's body. So someone. A trouble about like body possession. Yeah. And also that it would allow us to have that situation at the end where only Audrey was privy to, or only Duke rather was privy to what had happened with Audrey. So it all sort of like kind of like made sense, like the episode episodes seven eight of the seasons were seven and eight yeah. But typically trouble wise, a lot of it is just you sort of play on your own like neuroses. Like I had a thing where I literally had a nightmare like two years ago mm-hmm. that my alarm clock was a countdown. And I was gonna die when the thing got to the end. I was like going nuts when I woke up one morning because I came and snooze a bunch of times. Super countdown. And so yeah, yeah. And then that eventually became an episode. And then uh, when I was a little kid, I was terrified of this haunted house picture that I thought was haunted. Mm-hmm. It was just a picture of an old house it's, in my house. No, no, no. Yeah. But then I had developed this huge theory about the thing being alive. And actually, so then really we had nice. when they were like, we want this to be a haunted house yes, episode. Seriously. I was like, oh, we'll do one where like the house is alive. They're like, well, that's not trouble. I'm like, well, the troubled guy is now a part of the house. And they're like, that's a great episode. Go off and take a great episode. But it's, so it just sort of like can work its way out one way. Where did Farmer come from? Because that was, a, that trouble was. That one originally came from Zuckerman's, if you remember. Uh, yeah. And it, and it was kind of a, that one was one of those ones where it was like, we took a little bit from here and a little bit from here. And yeah, then yeah. Kind of a lot of it cobbled this, together from a yeah. bunch of different people's ideas. There's. Because everyone comes up with all the ideas together, like mm-hmm. when you can, you know, writing stuff, and our staff is really great about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, that one, I think it was, it was a lot of it, it was especially because Sam and Jim Burr, they wanted to lean into the, the idea, because we hadn't in a while, about the hereditary nature of the sort of the troubles yeah. that people don't even remember how they first got them or where they came from a long time ago. It's just inherited now. 
But specifically, that one was chosen for that episode because we knew after we had sort of figured out, we knew we knew going into the third season, for instance, that it was going to end with the barn of it all, yeah, at the hundred meter storm and all sort of stuff. And then we knew that we were going to go into all the Colorado kids stuff. And we sort of they sort of stuck away in the second season. And then we have a serial. We're going to go all in, and we'll yeah. reveal the whole thing. But so then we knew, like, well, then in this episode, you know, the second episode would be when Audrey learns that you know she's going to have to go away, and then she's going to give back the dog. It was going to be great. And then at the end of the third episode, we're like, well, we're also going to have to put, we're going to push into Duke storyline. Yep. So remember, we knew that the end of the third episode was always going to be Duke is going to actually have to kill a troubled person, but we didn't want him to murder someone like murder, murder. Right. We, wanted, we needed to create a, <laughs> needed a bad, there'd be a situation yeah. where he creates, killed a bad guy, but he did it to save some other people. Right. Which, because it would illustrate the idea that if he kills one person in the family, then it helps everybody else. So then, oh, so we need to get better. We need a trouble where that's an evidence that there's a lot of family members. And so we had talked about, and then how do you make that bigger? That it's not just yeah. like two or three kids. It's like, well, this guy worked exactly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we had that idea about someone who like, right, absolutely, like that. And so then all just sort of like kind of came together. That's it. Absolutely. Yeah. And so actually, as a follow up, Home Sweet Haven. Uh, Pam, yeah, yeah, Pam. Pam. Uh, asked, they've reached its absolute peak with Farmer. Are we going to go back to the season to reach that kind of character intensity? And to an Audrey Mara with that kind of agency and will, uh, season four in contrast in quite light with a focus more on plot than characters, what kind of narrative vision do you have for season five and Haven's writing in particular? Well, uh, in season three, we definitely made a concerted effort to kind of darken the show up a little bit. Um, yeah. Just, and that also came part and parcel with making the show more serialized, you know? Um, so there was kind of a, uh, a dramatic shift in season three. So I think that season four, a lot of parts of season four are, it feel to me as dark as a lot of stuff in season three, but because season three was right up against two, it was, it was such a dramatic sea change. Um, but I think that we will see. I'm trying to answer this question without giving it away. I understand the point about season four. The yeah. clip that we were moving at, and we had a lot of stories that, yeah. that we were they were burning through. That I, I get that point. I, I don't. I, I hope that it wasn't in service of too much of the, the characters or stuff. Some of that also was because because well, yeah, William, William didn't show up so really until answer. the last four yeah. episodes, and then Audrey was in the barn for mm -hmm. the first four, so it sort of limited us in a little bit of ways in those departments. I definitely think that this upcoming season is more, I guess, if accepting that premise to the question, if that was season three and that was season four, mm -hmm. I feel like it's somewhere in between the two. That there is still, we are still have, a, we do still have a lot of story to push, but I don't, but luckily, especially because of 26 episodes. And I feel like it's I even more character-y than yeah, season no, three. I think absolutely. Because, and you'll see in this season, I think, say this with some, without giving anything too much away, is that, uh, a lot of characters that have come to Haven have not made it, and so we're kind of down to like the main the main cast in yeah. Haven. You know, the, Haven's main heroes, and this season definitely focuses on those people. That's yeah, exciting. I mean, we're in, like last year. Something else that also I think contributed to that is that we introduced for a little while three new characters. Yeah, and then you still had you know Jordan uh, at that point in time, even though she was returning. There was uh, there was a lot of characters to service. And we, while we have new new characters kind of showing up, there's only really this, at least as announced anyway, one major sort of new addition to the cast. So which in, inherently also means that we're spending that much more time, I think, with our regular characters. So I think that that'll go a long way to what's helping. Some of it also is just the nature of the story. Last year, 
we knew we were going to bring William, you know, trot William out, and then we we're, were going to end with bring back with later. with uh, with him sort of getting like a little bit of his last wish, even though after he gets like pitched into the door. So I think this season, because we're living in some of the ramifications of that, it's automatically I think more characters for a story as opposed to last season. We were the, sort of the search for Audrey and sort of what's going on, which is inherently more plotty, I think, in a way. So that makes any sense. I think that whoever asked that question will be satisfied. Yes. <laughs> okay. Pam, Pam, I think, will be satisfied. Yes. So one, one final question before we kind of move to a different section is um, when you guys were writing season four, you didn't kind of know the status of season five. You didn't know who Correct. would be back yep. or anything like that. Now that we have this supersized season, does that change your approach? Because even though you have a supersized season, but you don't necessarily know what will happen after that, how do you, and, and knowing that, you know, Sam and Jim have an idea for the last scene, do you, how do you maintain the overall feel, maintain the possibility of that last scene, and still write with uncertainty? Uh, I'd say you always, we're always trying to write in a way for the end of the season that feels satisfying as, both a season end and also, particularly because you never know at possibly a you know series finale. Um, but what we don't, uh, like I said, we, we don't we don't know after after these twenty six. You know. Yes, I, well, I guess to to vague it up even more. Yeah. I we I don't know when we would know about whether there'll be an actual season six. Um, I have I have no idea if we if we would find out like while we're still in production we're in production all the way to the end of this calendar year, um, and so I don't know if we find out then or if we find out sometime next year or what. But I I do know what we have planned, and I think depending on a bunch of like variety of sort of things, I think they could probably make it work in, in different directions. Yes. I think it could it could be maybe like an ending or it could be like a, a still to, I guess to be continued. Yeah. You know, I worked on a show. I worked on a show uh, with these guys who, who produced it called Greek, uh, which had literally could have not have anything less to do with Haven in the slightest. But at the end of our third season, they thought that the show was over, and so we did this whole like wrap up sort of thing. Then they surprised picked up the show again for a, a shortened final season. So they went back in and literally just recut and cut out the last five minutes of that episode and recut it. And then the, the last season of the show became pretty much those five minutes like expanded into ten episodes, like everything that had been applied in this sort of like flash forward kind of way. So you know, in like Quantum Leap finale, if you guys ever watched that, is my one of my favorite series finales ever. And they tried to end it on a cliffhanger to to get the, sh the NBC to pick up another season, but NBC they shot themselves in the foot because NBC watched it and they were like, oh my god, this would be a great series finale. This is an amazing finale, and then it was over. Yeah. But so there's a world like it doesn't always have to be like the end of. Uh, Lost or Breaking Bad or something where, you know, it's they like well, there's nowhere they can go from from there, but uh, it is a tricky dance yes. that we live all day long because yeah. we don't know ourselves. Yeah. So, did you have any other questions? No. No. Yeah. So those are all the questions. Well, I did have a really off the wall question. Oh, yeah. if, if I can ask, this is so stupid, but it drives me crazy. So in three hundred two, Nathan comes into uh, Audrey's office and asks her to be. Yes. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. So you're in towards the beginning, he comes into Audrey's office and asks her if she's put out the APB and is carrying that one of those really old computer disc floppies. Yeah, yeah. What is that all about? Why is he holding that? Gosh, why was he? Because there was no. Really, I just, it just. I was wondering if something got cut or edited out. Or it something. probably did. Now I remember the image of it. I know that everyone just loves some of the like older, jankier. And I, and I think that's like, why stuff. I think it's like all during. It's like this whole conversion into like. They're trying to catch up to the new age. You know? I kind of yeah, thought maybe yeah. that was it. Was you know he was looking at some really old files and things are so old and ancient around there that maybe they still had some of those yeah. around. I mean, but... one of the things that I really like about Hayden, um, and like before I you know ever go on the show, is that is how it feels kind of like timeless. Like even though you know it's set in the twenty first century right. and everything, like that just the feel of the like architecture, the buildings, everything, even the way that people dress, it feels very kind of like timeless. So I like that about that. Yeah. So maybe that was. The props department kind of gestured towards that. Maybe Luke Bryan just saw a lot yeah, of Yeah, what was it? There's really something because at the end of 301 is when they found the message in the coffin. Yeah. Um, and so maybe there was there must have been something that was cut out about him like looking into some like the old like like Colorado kid stuff still. Okay. Because he does I reference mean, looking at the, the chief's files when that was so that must have been yeah. Yeah. so yeah. But I, I imagine someone was just having a laugh that rather yeah. than like this yeah. standard like folder of paper, they're coming like yeah. some. some now we, there was a there was a joke that was I think cut because we have we, that episode. We, but remember Tor Magnuson's job? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Tor Magnuson, the uh, the trouble guy from that episode. He's still wearing the shirt. But he's, he's still wearing the shirt. We never see his dramas. He was a uh, video store clerk, and uh, I remember Matt wrote the most awesome character description I've ever heard. Uh, a shell of a man in a dying industry. <laughs> and that's why he's wearing like a blockbuster shirt yeah. or something like in the episode, but it's never mentioned. Cause it, was like, of, so, it was like, it was so sad. Um, yeah, we actually, there's, it's, it's also not spoiling so also outdated there's, technology. We end up seeing like one of Garland Warnus's like old computers in the upcoming season. Which is I think we've hilarious. already seen that. Well, we've seen that in one. We of have. The, one, well, we've seen it in one of the photos on Twitter. But so you've, what you've done is you've, been, you've accidentally stumbled on. I guess what has become sort of a motif on the show, which is all of this ancient technology of Garland Warnoses that continues to crop just up, never which, which is really funny. Which yeah. just kind of fits, right? Yeah, it's yeah. character. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Wow. So, what I played with Sean Pierce and I did with Caroline is a little game, this or that, to get what your preference is, and so. There's nothing sci-fi about it. It's just, what do you choose? What do you prefer? So I'll ask it, and then you can answer, and then you okay, can answer. Nice. So you don't want a you don't want a group answer. This is like inside oh, the atmosphere. Oh, you want to try? Okay, let's do unison. And uh, I don't know. We can well, do it. We'll see. All right. All right. All right. So, basketball or football? Basketball. Basketball. Hundred percent basketball. Absolutely. We're both from basketball this country. Is, this is oh, the Duke fan or the oh, Duke no. The exact opposite. <laughs> we, we both went to UNC. It's actually right. probably going to be upsetting how similar yeah. answers are. The reason why I'm, I even got this job in the first place is Sean Pillar's father, Michael Pillar, is a big time UNC alumni, uh, oh, alum, alumnus. Oh, so cool. I got an internship here like a decade or over a decade ago uh, through his screenwriting program that he started at that school. Well, that's why I'm here now. And then I moved out here after that's I got right, we went to school together. Yeah, after I got my master's, I know Brian from back in college. Christ, thirteen years ago. Now? That's right. Yeah, thirteen years ago. Um, so that's whenever I got here. You know, we started hanging out, and that's how I got in. Yeah, all you would see. You would say all basketball. Yeah, anyway, basketball. That's it. <laughs> all right, uh, Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Coke. Okay. Pepsi, please. Ice cream or Froyo? Ice cream. Ice cream. So far, everyone's kind of similar. 
Uh, summer or winter? Winter, yep. Winter's oh. coming, by the way. <laughs> Winter's coming. Finding Nemo or Toy Story? Toy Story. Yeah, it's gotta be. Pancakes or waffles? Waffles. Pancakes. <laughs> and that is specifically a food answer to that question. I'm taking credit for the pancakes, by the way. Season one, baby. Oh, yo. Pancakes. <laughs> you have to say, felt. Ryan takes credit for pancakes. Yes. I never want to see. There's a lot of people who want to take credit for pancakes. Actually, I think it was all Sam Ernst. I think Sam Ernst like dreams about pancakes. I don't think he can eat them anymore. I don't know. He's a very healthy man. So that's. I think that's literally. I think that's. Really I think my answer to that question is bathing. <laughs> that's a winning answer. Okay, good. Absolutely. Crips. Superman or Batman? Batman. We have to go Superman, yeah. but it's not to say that I don't like Batman. There, you just named it's just my two favorites. It's, it's just apples and oranges. It's yes. just a this or that. It's Superman. Yep. This it's is upsetting. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start crying game. later. This, it's just this or that. You can't go down that path. <laughs> um, iOS or Android? Android. No, excuse me. iOS. Think about this. No, yeah, iOS. iOS. Oh, okay. iOS. Are you sure? I, I, Should there be a final? No, no, no. My, the beginning. I think was like Android. I was like, iOS. Wasn't sure. In Apple, we trust. Uh, books or movies? Movies. Say it. Books. Get out of here. <laughs> movies. <laughs> Action or comedy? Action or comedy? The top. Those are pretty separate. Because it's not like yeah, drama no, or comedy. Again, I'm gonna do comedy. This or that? Would like Indiana Jones be counted as like an action movie? I feel yes. like that's an adventure movie, but are we going to say action encompasses? I'm going to say it's action. I'm going to say action. Okay. Oh, so you like Transformers then? I don't like Transformers. He didn't say that. I'm just... That's, that's a dangerous thing movie. to put in someone's mouth. <laughs> I know. Transformers is... That's dangerous. I know. Uh, but that's it. Thank you so much. That was great. For yeah. that. Thank you. Thank you so much. And there you have it, guys. Our Haven Writers. Thank you again so much to Brian Milliken. Nick Parker, Shernald Edwards, and Speedweed for taking the time to speak with us about our favorite show. It meant a lot to us, and I'm sure it meant a lot to the fans. Let me apologize for any awkward gaps that may have been in the podcast because I had to edit out certain things because you weren't... Just because. It didn't either make sense or it wasn't part of the interview. You get it. Anyway, some important information. One, August 12th, Season 4 of Haven will be streaming on Netflix, so you guys can start your Haven marathons on the weekends. There's enough weekends to kind of get all the seasons out before the premiere date, which we don't have, but I'm going to assume we get in time. Also, uh, if you guys want Haven in some way, shape, or form to be at New York Comic Con, let them know. Tweet Sci-Fi, tweet Haven Herald, tweet anyone and everyone you know, E1 TV, tweet them and let them know you want them at New York Comic Con. Because I think that they heard how upset we were that they weren't at the San Diego Comic Con. We just need to keep letting them know. I mean, how are they going to know if we don't tell them, right? So do let them know. Get your friends involved and start watching Haven. And till the next podcast, I'm out. Peace. This is Revisiting Haven.